Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, it's all about Texas. We are going to be talking about the major storm that happened there and why the power grid failed. And to join us to deconstruct all that is Alex Kranz, uh, our favorite amazing person at large and a freelance tech reporter. Hey, Alex. Hey, guys. I'm here. Hey. So, yeah, we're going to be diving into all of that. And um, you're going to know more than you've ever wanted about Texas's infrastructure by the end of this episode. So stay tuned. As oh, always, and there's other tech news, too, mm-hmm. just in case there's people here who are like, where's the tech? Don't worry. We know. Where's the tech? There's always more. This is tech, too. You need electricity <laughs> to do your exactly. tech. It's all tech. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget Podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. And drop us an email at podcastengadget.com. So let's move on to what's going on in Texas. And it seems like every day this week, the news has gotten worse and worse. I believe before Valentine's Day is when the storm began, February 13th. And um, it is a once-in-a-century storm, as people are calling it. There is a ton of snow that fell on Texas. Um, I believe it is still, like, sleeting. Things are still bad. There's freezing rain. Kind of everything happening all at once. And, you know, we've seen crazy storms hit all over the U.S., but it seems like it is so much that the infrastructure there just couldn't handle it. Alex, you're a native Texan. Can you give us a rundown? Yeah. What what happened? Why is this such a big deal for Texas? You know, I think a lot of bad things happened at once. Mm-hmm. So it was around last Wednesday, Thursday, they first got their first really big blast of cold air. And so and it was a big ice yep. storm. And, you know, ice storms, doesn't matter where you are, ice storms usually lead to downed power lines. So a lot of people initially lost their power, like, last Thursday. I had a friend who was without power from Thursday to Monday or Tuesday. And she was living, like, in an older Mm -hmm. house that was all about, like, really poorly (laughs) insulated. She didn't even have a heater. She had, like, a propane heater. It's just, she's a rancher, so she was, like, having to go out every day and smash ice in the the troughs so the cattle could drink water. Mm -hmm. And she's doing it right now, I assume. It's, like, on a tractor. 
giving them hay so they can eat because, you know, you don't give them a lot of shelter, even in these big storms. It's all about just feeding them enough that they stay warm. Um, and then the really big storm hit like kind of Valentine's Day, President's Day. Mm. And that's when it was less about like, yeah, there was a lot of snow and stuff, but there was, but a lot of Texas gets snow. Like the panhandle gets snow all the time. I'm from North Texas, from Fort Worth, and we get a whole lot, like, we do sleet. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of sleet there. When I was a kid, we didn't make snow angels. We made sleet angels. <laughs> the the worst kind so, of angels. Like, you just, you're yeah, gross and wet. Yeah, they're just absolutely that. terrible. You're just like, this is icy yeah. and wet, and you can't eat it. It's crunchy. No, don't, don't do <laughs> sleet <laughs> snowballs hurt. Oh. Don't ever, ever throw them at people. But, but, you know, like... They definitely are accustomed to a little cold, but this was colder mm-hmm. than Alaska. This was negative temperatures. This was sub-zero, and not just in North Texas where they get cold sometimes, but all the all way, the way in, down like, South Texas, so, like yeah, like yeah. Brownsville. Like you're seeing yeah. it in Mexico. The like, culprit, really, I think, once really again, cold. like over the past few years, uh, we basically dreaded the return of the polar vortex. Right, like every year. It comes in, (laughs) drains down the temperature across America, but specifically in the Midwest. And now it's reaching all the way into Texas. Yeah. And Mexico. Um, I I think somebody online described it well as the polar vortex is just drunk now. Right. It does not work the way it's supposed to. So normally it is supposed to like use the jet stream to keep a lot of that cold air towards the Arctic. Right. And in Canada, now it's coming all the way down. And it is kind of wild to see. Uh, Let me tell you guys, I'm. Outside of Atlanta right now, it just got really cold here. We got some sleet and some freezing temperatures, um, but it wasn't too bad. So I can't complain. Um, But yeah, I've noticed um, the South is just not prepared for anything like this. So there are stories of Georgia, you know, South Carolina, everywhere. If there's an inch of snow on the ground, everything grinds to halt because, yeah, these places just cannot get rid of the snow. They don't have the infrastructure to actually take care of it. Nobody knows how to drive in snow very well. And I'm sure that problem is compounded, uh, you know, many, many times now in Texas. Like, nobody knows how to deal with this, really. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll say as an example, it was last week, last week that I realized that the North oh. insulates their pipes. Like, <laughs> yeah. for some reason in my head, I was just like, oh, yeah, everybody knows when the freezing season uh-huh. comes, you have to go put styrofoam on all your, on all your outdoor pipes. Nope. That's just what everyone does. No, no, that's just, I guess that's just a South <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, so nobody in Texas really winterizes to that degree. And, and that, that was a big part of this problem because not only do the homes not winterize, but the, the power companies and the power plants don't winterize. I know like both of the nuclear power plants weren't really set up for this kind of cold. And one of them is about 10 miles from my mom's house. And, you know, she's had zero degree weather every day this Mm. week. So... When you when you have it that cold, you just can't do anything, and that's really what's happened. Is like they never winterized, so they can't make power. So you just get these cascading failures. I know my mom just got a text yesterday. She said it was the most demoralizing time of this whole thing was when she got the text saying boil water. She's like, ah, she just wanted like a little relief. Was it a boil water advisory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was gotcha. a boil water advisory. She decided she didn't mm. want to try to take a shower when her power came back on, but also because she assumed the power would go yeah, yeah, yeah. off as soon as she got like mm-hmm. the shampoo in her hair. <laughs> um, so let's talk about broadly, by the way, like what makes Texas so different? Because I think a lot of us have gotten the primer 
about the uh, the Texas interconnection and why it's such a unique thing among infrastructure in the U.S. So yeah. the U.S. has, you know, the power grid in the U.S. is broken up in many different ways. And the major ones are the eastern interconnection, the western interconnection. And then you have Texas kind of down there mm-hmm. in the middle as its own little, not the whole of Texas, right? Not the panhandle, not, the not of like Texas. a lot of the northern areas, but a big chunk of it that is like its own little power island. Why? Mm-hmm. That's my only question. Why would you do this? Because the thing, the resource that should be the most redundant anywhere, you know, anywhere is power. You never want to have a power failure like this. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have a sense of what, why that is, Alex? You know, I think a lot of people are talking about it was because Texas wanted to avoid yes. federal yeah. regulation, right? Like that, that's, that's And it is deregulated, it, right? It is an open market. Yeah. It is deregulated. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a completely open market for, yeah. for the most of Texas. And they found that like that deregulation actually increased prices. Um, but it was ultimately Texas is the largest producer sure. of energy in the United States. And Texas takes like American individualism to what the I've never heard this before. Never. Like, <laughs> wow. So, so you have that like when you have like, oh, there's a chance for, op- there's an opportunity for a lot of money. And there's an opportunity for us to thumb our nose at authority and be a little mm-hmm. rugged individualist. You get, ERCOT and like this Texas grid all by its lonesome that can't like, and it's got a couple of connections. As I understand it, there are a few connections. There's one like to Oklahoma. Even to Mexico, apparently. Like, so let's, what is, what is ERCOT? Perhaps the most uh, ironically named organization right now, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which uh, manages the entire, you know, this infrastructure. Uh, Yeah. Hilarious name. And also a thing where. Yeah. Texas wants to be so not like Epcot. Not it's like very Epcot. different, although I'm sure that takes a lot of power, too. But the thing about Texas, right, is that, yeah, it is very individualistic. Uh, we're going to take care of ourselves. We have all this power. There have been many instances where Texas needed to be bailed out with power from neighboring states and even Mexico, I believe. Right. Like, th- th- it seems like a failure of this whole plan. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think it's very rare that happens just because Texas is such a big energy producer. Like like it's not like oh they're a big energy yeah. energy producer yeah. by like a, a a scooch, you know? Like like no, they're they're producing a ton of the energy in the United States between the, the Barnett Shell mm-hmm. in North Texas, the Permian Basin, like just an incredible amount of natural gas, an incredible amount of oil. Um, the fracking was born basically like how we think of fracking mm-hmm. now that was born in Texas. And and then we've got like, they really started to embrace solar and they really started to embrace wind power, particularly in the panhandle, which just means they're just always lit up. It's always this thing of like, oh, well, we, we always have the surplus mm-hmm. of energy. We're always making power. Why should we like, why should yeah. we have to like tie into these other grids and be Who a part needs of to be a society like, here? And I, I, one thing ones. I've read is that one yeah. benefit of this for Texas people uh, is that power is cheap because you have so many resources and so many yeah. ways of getting it. And you can choose from different providers, right? Generally, your electric bill in Texas is going to be cheaper than most elsewhere in the U.S. Except for when something like this happens. Um, yeah, so let's talk about like what specifically went wrong here too, because you mentioned <laughs> renewables, and not surprisingly, uh, a lot of the Texas officials, including the governor, immediately went to, oh yeah, it is, um, it is absolutely renewables' fault. Uh, Greg, uh, Greg Abbott said 
It just shows that fossil fuel is necessary for the state of Texas, as well as other states, to make sure we will be able to heat our homes in the winter times and cool our homes in the summer times. That's Governor Greg Abbott speaking on Sean Hannity. The problem is that it, <laughs> it was absolutely fossil fuels that failed here, right? It is natural gas and the fact that those lines yeah. uh, froze is the big problem. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think I was looking at the numbers and, and in 2019... I think maybe 20, almost exactly 20% of energy in Texas was from wind power, right? And 67% was from natural gas, various forms of natural gas and coal. So, so wind power is, it produces a lot. And in fact, I think it's overproducing right now, but it's a relatively small part of this. And I think that was Abbott just playing to probably the biggest lobby in Texas, which is the energy lobby, and just like kind of throwing them a bone and being like, yeah, 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 I got you. I'm not going to throw you guys under the bus because... Yeah, it, it is absolutely not your failure as an industry yeah, here. And, um, let's look over and, here. You know, I think yeah. it is definitely a failure, right? Like like there there are significant failures here. There are there are problems. and um, But a lot of it was also just like, this is how they've been doing it for decades. Like they were, they were, they were functioning this way in the seventies and sixties and stuff. And in the seventies and sixties, Republicans weren't even in charge. Like this is very much like yeah. it was a Democrat state. Yeah, I know, shocking. Um, but the Democrats <laughs> were also very different in the sixties and seventies, so not that shocking. Uh, but it really was just this, like this desire to to be by themselves and to be as cheap as possible, mm -hmm. to make as much money as possible mm. with as little effort, which is, you know, it's just capitalism, baby. And <laughs> and everything everything blew up from that. Because I, like, uh, I like your phrase, capitalism, baby, because that is literally the failure of everything happening now yeah. in America. <laughs> I, keep, I keep comparing it to, like, I, I've compared it to COVID a lot uh -huh. because yeah. I think it's something where COVID was obviously this huge pandemic, but it exacerbated infrastructure problems in the United States in a really unique way. And this has done the same. And I think Har Harvey is another good example mm -hmm. where this really, where Harvey like exacerbated infrastructure problems in Houston. And I, I talked to a poor friend, she lived through Harvey down in Houston and with two kids, which is just, <laughs> and then she get, she she gets out of that and she moves to North Texas and then she gets in this storm and I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, you just, you know, it's just a once in a century storm. And she's like, well, I seem to get them every damn three mm. years. I'm tired of them. Oh, because because climate change, climate change. It, it does seem like the broader the broader lesson here is, yeah, Texas has been running this way for decades. Right. And yeah, why, why fix what ain't broken? It's making this money. It's working out well for everybody. Yeah, it's working great. Nothing's different. Everybody's having a good yeah. time. As long as we don't have like climate change completely skunking up the works, which, you know, we're also contributing to yeah. by our, our incredible use but of I thought, uh, fossil fuels. It's I fine. thought climate change was a myth, and at least according to a lot of folks I've talked to in Texas. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it will yeah. take for the vast majority of America to kind of acknowledge that this ain't normal and things are changing wildly. But uh, Alex, you brought up like the idea of the pandemic too, of how this kind of mm -hmm. reveals certain issues in our society. And I think that really is it, right? It is the idea of how yeah. do you take care of, of each other? What do you owe you know, what do you owe each other as a society? Uh, there was a viral Aww. tweet um, that was going uh, around from a former mayor from one Texas, uh, I believe it was Col Colorado City. And his... Oh, yeah, yeah Tim Boyd. his Facebook post... My absolute oh my God, favorite. His Facebook post was like, the government doesn't owe you anything. Uh, you, you deserve... You, basically, like, you deserve to be there. Why are you in government yeah. if you he feel resigned. that way? He yeah, resigned I was, the other day. Yeah, yeah. No, 
I was talking to a friend about that last night, and I said, oh, did you hear about this guy in yeah. Colorado City? And he claims he'd already resigned mm. by the time he posted something on Facebook. And she went, oh, that's never a good start. Like, what did he post if he's already claiming he didn't start there? And I loved the piece. I loved what he posted just because it had, like, perfect Texas syntax. Like, reading it, like, and I developed an accent just reading it out loud because he just, like, the way he structured things was, like, just how Texans would do it. But but he really was super mm-hmm. anti-government. And he was he said, like, the power companies don't owe you anything. And, in fact, they do. Yeah. You pay them. At, at least so the basis of capitalism. At least, like, believe power. in the philosophy you're trying to <laughs> shove down our throats. Like, they at least owe you for the service you're paying for, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and he he's but he's also like I, I've spoken with other friends who who know you know mayors and and officials in small towns and a lot of small yeah. towns are trying to do something they're trying to source water they're they're trying to to set up heating centers and warming centers so people can stay warm and it, it some yep. of them just can't some like there's a lot of things happening there because the roads are terrible and as we already discussed it's hard to like people just don't know how yeah. to drive. They, they 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 get the, they get they get out of the snow and the ice and they just lose their minds uh, and and so you have that happening and you know a lot of the people who are getting hurt and injured in this and dying are because they don't have access to heat and they're trying to create their own warmth and you're getting carbon monoxide poisoning you're getting fires and stuff like that and you just have a lot of people who are really scared and looking for leadership and it's it's kind of being struggled to found I spoke with one friend. Uh, with one person who told me that that Abbott is is really going out there and he's really trying. He wants to. He wants some heads to roll. He he wants to. Yeah. And so she she was told, oh yeah, we're having to collect very specific instances where the power companies where the infrastructure has failed and where leaders have failed to like provide so that we can give that to Abbott so that he can he can deal with it. And you know, I think a lot of that is him just trying to save his own butt because. Because he he certainly has contributed to the problem, and 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 maybe you know he's done some stuff like yeah he 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 we got a they got a, a state of emergency declared in Texas and stuff like that, but but he he's let this happen for years and years and years he's let ERCOT like run the show and ERCOT is such a weird thing as I understand it only like two of the board members on it aren't even living in Texas like you've got these people from out of state trying to govern govern their their power and and everything and basically just doing it to get rich and it was all a lot of people glutting glutting at the trough and then the trough froze and that now the question is whose fault is uh, it except they're kind of expecting i I think a lot of cases you'd think the person at the top who enabled this and probably didn't prepare for incoming storms probably deserves a vast majority (laughs) of uh of the blame here and also shout out to texas senator ted cruz who we saw last night on twitter if you were up late Speaking yep, of leaders uh, who failed, t- took yep. a plane to Cancun with his family, and that was the viral Look, tweet going around. It is. It's, it's cold. cold in Texas. He doesn't want to. Like, I get it. He doesn't want to be there. I mean, if I was a senator, I would probably like want to want to get some free political capital no. by handing out some blankets and stuff instead of hightailing it to Cancun. Yeah. But which probably only like it's, it's, it's probably like chilly, cool. but, you I think know, it's he's, cold he's there too. Be, so it's like he has to make degrees. sure he can he can survive, yeah. right? He needs to put on the life jacket first so he can take care of Texas <laughs> from Mexico. Right, yeah. Yeah, he shoved exactly. the old lady out of the he, way he's to George put her, Casanza her, her in the in the himself. fire episode of Seinfeld. Um, but let me just say, like this one thing, <laughs> this tweet went viral about him. The news about him went viral uh, late Wednesday night, and 
I mm-hmm. I also have friends who don't have power who have had to sleep in their cars for the last few nights because it's the only safe, warm place for them to be. And it is my I wish my yeah. like white hot rage could power the state of Texas right now because I feel like it could. <laughs> it's just a failure yeah. on so many levels. But yeah. Like not even your rage. I think I think sure, Texans sure. white hot rage could power all of Texas, like just plug them all in. Uh, yeah, no, I know people are just getting slammed by this and and being very f- and, and are super furious about it. And I don't think that fury is going to go away anytime soon. I think now that people know what ERCOT is, um, I, they're they're going to be yeah. talking about. I it hope a so lot, though, and they're going to be asking a lot of questions because mm-hmm. most Even people Texas, didn't know what ERCOT was. Like, let's be real, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in Texas. No, I knew I knew TXU because that was who <laughs> uh-huh. I had to call every time the power went out when I was a kid. Like, be sitting there playing Super Nintendo and the electricity would go off and your mom would say, oh, well, you mm-hmm. know, I'm busy. Why don't you go ahead and call TXU and let them know we don't have any power. Um, that was not because of this mm-hmm. whole issue. So, That's just because I lived in a very old house. Right. So for both yeah. you and Devendra, Alex, you guys know people in yeah. Texas who are, you know, really going through all of this. And for me, my window into this was Twitter and Instagram. And I follow a couple yeah. on Instagram that live in Texas, Sean and Catherine Lowe from The Bachelor. Um, wow. I think they're Let's living in Texas. Let's just take a pause for that. <laughs> How are your Bachelor friends doing, Shirley? But Please tell us. Listen, but well, they're the best couple from the Bachelor franchise. But but still, they've been posting pictures of how they, you know, their kids have been playing in the snow. It's like negative five degrees, and I was like, negative five, really, and not mm-hmm. Celsius? It's amazing. And yeah. I didn't it didn't connect for me what was happening because they made it look like so much uh. fun. And then I realized that's because they are rich ah. and live in these huge <laughs> houses. And so yeah. like, and so um, our video producer Julio also just highlighted to me this Axios report on um, Mm -hmm. how the Texas power outage is highlighting the disparity in minority Mm -hmm. neighborhoods, um, which is the case for a lot of these situations, right? Often, like, a national crisis happens and minority, like, neighborhoods get more adversely affected than others. So um, one of the things, like, worth, like, highlighting is that while urban and downtown areas, which have the most affluent residents, have seemed to be completely exempt from the blackouts, surrounding underprivileged Mm -hmm. neighborhoods have to had to endure like long blackouts, some of which are lasting days. So yeah, for me, yeah. there, there there's video footage by the way of like yeah. office buildings fully lit up, yeah, football yeah. fields fully so lit up when everyone's like house people in those or something, yeah, or, or, or wild. I and it, what bothers me is when I go on Twitter and so Chrissy Teigen tweeted yesterday like how <laughs> all my celebrity <laughs> followers just showing oh, up on this celebrity report over here. I love it. <laughs> Chrissy Teigen t- tweeted I think last night like how can we help? How can we help Texas? And a lot of people were responding of like their own experiences. And honestly, it was kind of heartbreaking to see like one woman I saw had posted like just her collapsed roof and like snow and melted yeah. snow all over her bedroom. Another person that re- responded was saying that they're a high risk person who hasn't even left the house because mm-hmm. of COVID. And then now they can't yeah. even get groceries and all of that. Like they, they couldn't even get groceries delivered in the first place or, or go out to get groceries in the first place. And they were having it delivered. Yeah. And now they don't. So they have no food and they're taking care of a child. So what I'm trying to get to is how can we help, right? And I think that like donating to mutual aid organizations seems to be the most obvious method that I've seen so far. Um, but yeah. I don't know if uh, Alex, you might know of a more immediate mm-hmm. means of helping. No, I think I think that really is the best way because a lot of this, like 
we're in a really bad spot right now. And but Texas is actually probably going to get worse when the fall comes, mm-hmm. because think of how many homes that have had frozen pipes, right? Yeah, there's a lot of places. I I, I know friends who are living in terror for the thaw because like it's unpleasant now, but when all your pipes explode and flood your home or or, or put big holes in your wall and stuff. That's going to be bad too, mm-hmm. and and right now there is such difficulty getting to people because the roads are so bad that like yeah. you know if you're if you're trying to ship food and trying to right. ship water and stuff like that it's not necessarily going to help anyone at this moment. I think giving money to to the people that are already on the ground and, mm-hmm. and working on this, especially the Red Cross, will is is much much more beneficial to everybody mm-hmm. there. And and just really hoping that this thaw, I think it's going to be like. According to my uh-huh. mom, I've been watching the weather too, but my mom is very big on this right now. It looks like probably Saturday, early Sunday is when they're going to finally start seeing temperatures that are comfortable. And 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 it's going to be like devastating. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a lot of homes just really wrecked by the, this freezing, especially in yeah, Austin. Because yeah. yeah. North Texas, North Texas, they at least kind of think about like how to structure mm-hmm. things to prevent cold because they do get colder up there but austin and anything kind of below austin is mm-hmm. not austin is technically central all. texas i guess okay right it's central texas so so you know and and the temperature really starts to change mm-hmm. there and they don't really get below 30 yep. very often and and they're just not equipped in the same way the north texas or the panhandle is and I think you're going to see a lot of people losing their homes or having significant damage to their homes. And it's going to look like yeah. floods. It's going to look like just It's a going to look like flood. a prolonged like, and, aftermath of a hurricane, right? Except without that part yeah, of the storm. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be Harvey mm-hmm. again, you know, but colder. <laughs> um, and and I think just donating to those those bigger resources is is the best thing mm-hmm. that people can be doing to help those there. And and being patient with people, don't don't be a jackass if you see them on Twitter <laughs> oh, and stuff complaining about it. Like yeah, I I you know I sometimes even I get heated sometimes when I see folks on on Twitter complaining about things because I'm mm-hmm. a horrible person. But but you know like. I be complain patient, about things kind. on Twitter all the time, Alex. Dang. That's why I say be patient, be kind. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I want to point out to you is that uh, I've seen people respond to you. It's like, oh, yeah, Texas kind of deserves this, right? You guys elected these folks. And mm-hmm. I don't no. probably not the time for that. I've, even Stephen King, a guy who I genuinely like and admire, think... kind of did that. And it was not great. That's not helpful. Let's like, be helpful. You know, I think I think there's this eagerness to blame yes. politicians for for devastated yep. infrastructure, and that's because we we elect politicians to maintain and develop our infrastructure. But the things that are set in motion and the things that happened in Texas were were set in motion sure. decades before these politicians were in office. The po- politicians in office yep. perpetuated it. They did. They made no effort to change it or stop it because it still made them money. It still made their the people they actually care about their the lobbyists and stuff money. So they didn't. So like there's certainly that kind of blame, but but this was an infrastructure yep. failure across the board and and it that goes back decades. So it's hard to like point as much as I want to point fingers at Ted Cruz, <laughs> he is probably not the person to blame yeah. for this. I, I would love to throw it all <laughs> at his feet. Um I would love to throw it at, at Abbott's feet, at Paxton's feet, mm-hmm. at Daniel's, you know, like all those guys, like, yeah, let's 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 Dan Patrick, let's make fun of those guys. But like, nah, like. I mean, they're the ones who could fix it. Like, that's the thing. 
They're the ones who so can I think, fix it. I think yeah, a lot of the people deserve blame for at least not acknowledging the reality of like what what was coming down the pipe, right? And doing very little about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know mm-hmm, how much mm-hmm. they could have prepared for this, given that they were only hearing right. about this probably a week in advance. And we saw so many people on the ground and just regular citizens who who weren't mm-hmm. preparing for it substantially, despite knowing it was coming. You know, they weren't stocking up on, on food and water and everything like that. And because they yep. didn't necessarily think they had to. And I think the government, I think everybody, I think a lot of Texas got caught with his pants down, just assuming that this would hopefully mm-hmm. pass faster and be a more traditional storm. And it yep. sucks. Uh, my it question for you, Alex, by mm-hmm. the way, is like, where can Texas go from here? Like, as ERCOT needs more power, as the state needs more power, can they actually bring in power from neighboring states? Because there are some connections, right? Yeah, there are some connections. Okay. I don't think they're substantial enough. And I think that runs the risk of them having to... You know, there was this time in 19, what is it, 1975, where they uh-huh. briefly gave power to Oklahoma, and it's called the Midnight Connection, and it and it kicked off this huge, huge court case, um, where Texas really had to defend its right to to maintain its own grid, and I don't, I think there's a real hesitancy because they don't want that to happen again, and I think a lot of people think this is a once in a lifetime storm. Yeah, we can go ahead on after this. Like, okay, we'll get through it, we'll weather it, and then we'll go ahead on. And what they really need to be thinking about is this is not a once in a lifetime storm, right? Like, like because of climate change, mm-hmm. this is going to become more frequent. It may not happen again next year. We might not see something this catastrophic next year, but it's going to continue to happen. It's going to become more frequent. And they really need to be thinking mm-hmm. about addressing it. They, they need to be thinking about winterizing. They need to be thinking about that. I spoke to somebody in the energy community and they said, well, the problem is that Texans don't want to pay for that. And they don't like, and that money's going to need to come from the consumer's pocket, not from the companies. And that is, yep, that was definitely somebody from the energy community saying that hmm. because yeah, I was like, well, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's just money needs to be spent, and we Texans are notoriously <laughs> cheap, cheap people. So um, unless it's for our hats or boots. Um, or trucks. Yeah. So I, I'm really like, it's going to be, it's going to need to be an investment and it's unclear who it's is. It's almost like we need an entire national investment. strategy and, for dealing with climate change. Yeah, um, I, I think one like maybe. press, one report from uh, Joe Biden's press office was basically like, yeah, it seems like, yeah, we should probably prepare, preparing for the inevitability of climate change. Uh, his plan is like up till 2050, right, to basically make the make America a lot more prepared for climate change and investing in renewables and rolling that stuff out. And it does seem like that point is going to be stronger and stronger. It's not just Texas. It is everywhere in the country. It is, you know, California that's facing massive wildfires every year. It is down here in the southeast where the hurricanes batter things down quite a bit. And we also have like energy problems. I've just learned to live. Uh, one thing I've learned is that uh, yeah. in the South, like you just lose power for a day or two sometimes after even just after a thunderstorm, because yeah. the infrastructure is so badly put together. Um, one thing that may be more common for a lot of us mm-hmm. is just to have a generator so that you can have a little backup power, have something. Um, you had mentioned that, Alex. PSA for everybody. Be we got to be. You got to learn yeah. to live with generators, but also be careful with them because they spew out carbon monoxide. Those things they can be very dangerous. Yeah, they could be very dangerous. Well, I mean that's why there's stuff like Powerwall. You know, Elon Musk's big batteries and stuff are really good. But for most people, 
like right now, the thing you can go do right now to help yourself in the future, um, wherever you live in the United States, is going buy an uninterrupted power supply. That is only going to cost a couple hundred dollars. It's not a lot. It's it's very very cheap. It's not going to give you like days and days of power, but it's going to keep your internet on and give you a way to charge your phone. How long? How long uh, would that last? Though, like I used to sell to those things, and they're they're and great. Stuff. For like, okay, I got to keep my computer on for yeah. 10 minutes so I can they're save great. all my files. But beyond that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I think I think they're really good okay. for like, you know, the one I have lasts two or three hours. And and because I have like a server on it and stuff and I don't, I'm really lazy <laughs> and don't want to have to like go actually power down my server. And so I'm like, usually a power outage okay. when I get hit with one doesn't last like less an hour or two. So if you're like subject to these rolling blackouts and stuff, mm-hmm. investing in a really, and there's some that even last longer, you can invest in one of those mm-hmm. and that'll kind of help you weather those rolling yep. blackouts a little easier. It's not going to fix anything. It's not as good as a generator, uh, but five generators. To six, like, listen, I'm in this market. Okay. Dollars. So five to 600 bucks. You can actually get, you can actually get <laughs> a, <laughs> a gas generator. But the thing really? is that, yeah, these things, be, they're engines, right? It's just an engine without a car. So it is spewing out carbon monoxide. It needs to be like 20 feet away from your house and you need to use like an extension cord. Nowhere near your home. Nowhere, not in a garage. People are dying because of this. But also it's not just generators. It is people who are heating themselves up in their cars while they're in an enclosed space. Not smart. Please don't do that. People who are trying to heat their homes with, you know, a gas stove. Um, Hey, that is cook something like do don't, do your meal do bake something but do not rely on that as consistent power because yeah. hey gas stoves are incredibly dangerous too and that's a thing we should probably talk about more is that uh they're spewing out all sorts of fumes too and you're breathing it and that's yeah. just the way we've lived but people are dying from heating their homes with those too so let's just be careful um you know everybody prepare there is there are like some bundle bundle up, bundle up. there are like all electric generators which are kind of interesting. So like basically yeah. a massive battery that costs a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks, but it'll last you for like hours. It could last you almost like a day if you're like sipping that power. So there are more solutions for backup yeah. power for people, and maybe that's something we'd have to consider more because it's gonna be a while until our infrastructure is better. Alex, like what do you see moving forward for Texas? Uh let's to wrap this up. It does seem like renewables kind of makes more sense, but we need battery backups for dealing with situations (laughs) like this because, yeah, you can't really use wind during a major storm either. But I don't think that discounts the the power there. Yeah, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. I think renewables are, you know, Texas is already really Mm -hmm. heavily invested in renewables as much as like. They they want to they want to pay lip service to the oil and gas guys. There there it is heavily invested, and the big the big conflict there is that, um, you know you have some of the oil and gas guys, the the people who are who are pulling it up out of the ground. They don't want it, and then you have a lot of the the agriculture community. They don't want it because it takes mm-hmm. over that valuable ag land. Um, so you do have a lot of conflict there, but but renewables. Are mm-hmm. are popular in Texas. They're not going away, and Texas is such an individualism state. They're so they're so prideful that sure. a lot of people yeah. want to. It be seems off the like the best anyway. place like, to sell the idea. <laughs> of like, like, go fully off the grid, please. Yeah, so I think I think you are going to see renewables being an embraced it, it, to to. I mean, they're already being embraced, mm-hmm. but I think you're going to see even more of it from from folks, especially in rural communities, where mm-hmm. they're just tired of of all of this. Like they've been they've been hit time and time again, and they get tired of it, and they feel like they're ignored. And so, fine, they're just going to go play with their football elsewhere. Which is how Texas, ironic, because that's how Texas got in this. Yep, most definitely. I hope, like, I, I hope after all this, like, America <laughs> takes a closer look at infrastructure because it is something 
I, I think policy nerds have talked about for a very long time and everyone's like, no, shut up. We're making money. Yeah. Like, why, why are you ruining my party here? <laughs> it's getting worse and worse. Yeah. Go ahead. I want everyone to read Annalie Newitz, um, just wrote this great book called Four Lost Cities. I, I was tweeting about it and it's wonderful because it's about the, these four famous historical cities like Pompeii, Angkor Wat, um, Cahokia, and, and why people left them. And so much of it focuses on when we think about infrastructure for financial or political reasons, our infrastructure inevitably fails. When we think about infrastructure for just basic survival, because that's why infrastructure yeah. exists. You mean the public good? Yeah. That's when you not think American. About it, yeah, when you think about it and the, and the idea <laughs> of the public good, it, it lasts mm-hmm. longer. And it's such it's a really, really fascinating book. She does a super, super great job of like just breaking down like all this big archaeological concepts and stuff and makes it super, super reasonable, readable, mm-hmm. very easy to read. But she also really gets at the heart of what we're seeing here, what we saw in mm-hmm. in California last year with the wildfires, what we're going to see the next time a hurricane um, like just wrecks the South. Um and I highly, highly recommend it. Four Lost Cities, Annalie Newitz. Yep. Go read good, it. Good shit out. It'll uh, make you feel really smart. I believe in the one of the more recent episodes of uh, her podcast with Charlie Jane Anders, um, the the like original io9 crew, right? Um, yeah. The podcast is called Our Opinions Are Correct, and she like dives into some of those ideas. So uh, worth checking out. Thank you for the shout out there, Alex. Um, yeah. Let's not forget, we, ha- we have a lot of other infrastructure things we got to worry about. It was not too long ago it was two weeks ago that somebody tried Mm -hmm. to hack the water supply in oldsmar florida uh to basically poison it luckily it was caught but they did try and i i do feel like there are going to be a lot of people just poking holes in our system to like figure out like oh what can i mess up this time uh does not bode well for our future um this storm is one thing like the storm in texas is pure just uh, incompetence from leadership, but there are a lot of other things we have to worry about. So, yeah, yeah I hope we learn something from all this. Invest in infrastructure. Please. Do it, people. Do it. There's been a lot of news, uh, other parts of tech and the world as well, starting with Facebook and Google versus Australia. Um, there's been a lot of updates this week on uh, this ongoing case, but let's give you guys a recap. Mm-hmm. This story starts as far back as at least April 2020, where Australia uh, ordered its Competition and Consumer Commission, or ACCC, to create a mandatory code of conduct that would make companies like Facebook and Google and others like that to pay news outlets when they use publishers' contents or the news outlets' content. Uh, it would also look at data sharing, news ranking, revenue sharing, that sort of thing. So that was in April last year, and it's been going on. But this week, we've got a lot of developments on this case, starting with, well, at least in January, Google threatened uh, that to, say, to, to disable its search uh, engine in Australia if it has to pay for news. But... One of the first things that happened, I yeah. think, this week was uh, Google, I think, uh, agreed or said it would pay News Corp outlets for using their content. So basically, it's sort of like kind of yielded to the pressure from Australia. Um, this was just yesterday, I believe, February 17th. Google uh, signed a three-year agreement, it was announced, uh, to carry content from News Corp publications. So this would be in the US, UK, and Australia. 
uh, and it would show up under Google's news showcase uh, stories from publications like the Wall Street Journal, Market Watch, and other outlets. The payments that Google would make to News Corp weren't disclosed, but News Corp did say that it would be significant. Uh, and there is, you know, parts of the contract here that talk about sharing ad revenue, investing in audio and video content from the News Corp publications, and developing a subscription platform. Um, this, for me, as someone who's covered like Google's news initiatives for a while, didn't seem like that big of an, a deal to me. Uh, until you realize that it's it sim- seems to be related to this pressure coming from Australia, so that's Google. But then when we talk about we talk about Facebook for a second, mm. let's uh, Facebook <laughs> our our you know very drama free queen. Um, also yesterday, February seventeenth, Facebook decided to block users from sharing news links in Australia. Uh, th- it, it threat it issued the threat. Uh, I want to say in, in September of 2020 and followed through basically yesterday mm-hmm. saying that, uh, yeah, we're going to ban y'all from viewing news on Facebook. So publishers and residents can't post or share news content on the social network. And uh, even if you're, say, in America and you're trying to, say, post something from the Sydney Morning Herald, I believe, um, you can't do that. So basically you can't post or share links from Australian publishers. So this is really, this Facebook was more clear and direct that this is about Australia's like attempt at making everyone, you know, uh-huh. pay for those, for, for news out, like news content. Um, and they were pretty pissed at it. They were like, okay, so William Easton, who is Facebook's <laughs> managing director for Australia and New Zealand, was saying, wrote in a blog post saying, we will now prioritize investments to other countries as part of our plans to invest in new licensing, news programs, and experiences, which is as yeah as it gets. Right? It's like yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> never, we're you know, we're not going to. Well, since you don't want our business, we're going to take our business elsewhere. I don't know. How do you how do you feel about this, Devendra? Because I I feel like a little distant mm-hmm. from this issue. Like I haven't, I don't use Facebook. Oh, yeah. I mean, but listen, a ton of people do. And this is part of why I don't like Facebook as a company, especially whenever they do anything around media. It's it's either about like, oh, please, everybody do what we're asking. You know, everybody shift all of your, uh, you know, mm-hmm. employees to video. Let's rebuild your editorial strategy around video two years later. Uh, Facebook's like, oh, we don't like video. Like all those people <laughs> oh, no. you hire, just change it. Just, yeah. So Facebook has like pushed and pulled the media industry so much over the last decade where this just seems like the latest example of it. But I am, I'm certainly not pleased with this. It does seem like them wielding their power in a weird way. Yeah. And Google yeah. too. Like Facebook is not alone here. Like these, this is everything we've um, warned about when it comes to having these giant companies basically take over the internet and be the internet yeah. for a lot of people, right? Like at the, the the basis of the internet is freely sharing information. And thanks to, you know, the a lot of these business deals and things Facebook doesn't want to happen, they, they can just block information completely from Australia. And hey, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the right choice for the government there to kind of say, hey, you got to pay us. It is kind of a start, though. It is a you know, it's the beginning it's of pushing back against yeah. these. Yeah, yeah, it's something. It may not be the best thing, but I do I do appreciate the fact that Australia is trying to fight back against these like 
tech monopolies. And yeah, both Facebook and Google, all they can say is like, oh, we're going to go home. We're going to take our ball and go home. As, as, um, we yeah, push as back people more. who yeah. work in news or for news outlets or, or in media, right? I, I personally feel like, yeah, if we got a cut of the traffic that was generated on these things, like uh, on these platforms, we would not, you know, digital media wouldn't be in the mess it is today, maybe. I don't know. Um but but to mm-hmm. clarify, though, uh, Google and Facebook apparently have issues with the arbitration clauses in what Australia is trying to legislate. So it's yeah. more like about the payment rates, whether it will be on a per click basis or on a lump sum basis to, to have this content hosted on their platforms. Um, and it also sounds like Facebook might be close to, you know, striking deals with publishers, similar to how Google, you know, had its deal set up with News Corp. Um, but according to Easton's blog post too, by the way, which, you know, don't, don't take my tone reading it into this, but, uh, news makes up less than 4% of the content people see in their news feed. So, What's so apparently, news feed? yeah, just post, uh, cat pictures, I guess. Mm. Uh, so basically, what Facebook or what Easton seems to be saying is that like d- this change doesn't affect Facebook bottom line that much, or it doesn't affect the amount of content that they do host or post to Facebook that much too. So don't know what kind of impact this might have, but I will say like four percent of like a billion is still a lot. So kind of a lot. And I yeah. wouldn't necessarily trust Facebook's numbers, given yeah. that just yesterday it was also came out that they like knowingly were playing funny with a lot of the numbers and stuff, mm-hmm. their revenue numbers and stuff like that. Like Facebook just can't be trusted. Nothing mm-hmm. that they that mm. it says can be assured to be the truth. And maybe Australian news does, only accounts for 4%. Right. But I suspect given yeah. given the most popular faces like pages on Facebook for years now have been um really conservative news outlets I'm not really believing that news is a very small part <laughs> of things. Or what do you what do you call news? Yeah, yeah. Or- news. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I personally I was not crazy about Australia's thing just because it was like the Australian government determining who and who wasn't a news outlet, right? And right. that yeah, that's hinky yeah, yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. But like, you got to do something because you have like this huge duopoly running, just destroying news across yeah. the world mm-hmm. and and putting up like really horrible rhetoric in its place because it's more clickable and that's that's a significant problem i don't think given mm-hmm. all of the investigations by congress into these companies as monopolies i feel like cutting an entire country off probably not the best <laughs> <laughs> the best move yeah that feels probably feels not unwise but we'll say yeah. too, like Facebook is in a weird transition phase right now too. Like they're beginning to roll out their, uh, was it their council? Yeah. Right. The, the people who are going to be voting on everything. And that is a whole thing. There was a great New Yorker story last week about a reporter who was following the building of that. And I believe it was also either in the daily podcast or one of those, uh, one of the, like major tech podcasts where they were diving into like just her, uh, experience seeing the stuff happen in the background and how, it's going to be really difficult for the Facebook council, you know, to even get the Facebook board. The right? oversight committee. Um, yeah. I don't know. Oversight committee. Yeah. It is going to be really tough for anybody to agree on anything because every country handles topics differently. What is, you know, censorship for one country is freedom of speech for mm-hmm. another and is 
It's very confusing. So Facebook is kind of at an impasse. Uh, we'll be paying attention to how things change moving forward. Like there, there's always going to be more Facebook news, it seems. I love it. Nonstop. Well, well I don't well, love Facebook, but I love news. <laughs> yeah, I love news. News is great. Content. Hey, dedicated our lives to news. I, I'm not sure yeah. you like this next piece of news, Alex, but I'm sure you know. <laughs> there was some furor <laughs> yeah. this week over LastPass. Making I some didn't changes. actually know. Oh, tell there me you about go. this. Okay. I so just stopped using LastPass last, pass last week. Uh, Dev, Aww. do you want to do you want to catch her up, or I can? Yeah, I could I could talk about this yeah. one. Um, so it used to be that you could just use LastPass for free, mm-hmm. right? Um, on, on your that's computer, how I did it. On your phone, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I believe they had like a device limit, mm-hmm. so there was that. So LastPass this week announced that hey, you can use as many phones or as many computers as you'd like. But you have to pick one category, no. which is fundamentally that's useless not why I use exactly. <laughs> that's not why I use LastPass. I, I used to have all my passwords across exactly. everything. So the, yeah, as is of it, March sixteenth, you will have to pay to use cross-platform. So it's just like a LastPass. way to force people to pay. Yep. Okay. Basically. I mean, which yeah, yeah, okay. right. <laughs> I, I I just like switched last week. At the the urging of some friends to one mm. password because they were like, "Why are you mm. still using LastPass? Ugh, it's so passe." <laughs> you can't you can't talk to tech people. Yeah, like, I, I like, feel right. like tech nerds will always have another thing. So to, uh, okay, so what's what's the advantage of one pass? I I pay money for it, so yeah. that seemed like a disadvantage. But it's pretty. <laughs> um, it seems smarter about how it like interacts with my 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 devices and stuff. Like it seems easier. To like, there was always these weird little hiccups with LastPass, and so one password seems yeah. a lot nicer. But I was also kind of kicking myself because I was like, "Why am I paying money for this when I use LastPass for free?" Yeah. And now I'm it like, "Okay, free. thanks, LastPass." Yeah. LastPass is going to be twenty-seven. It's a discount for them right now, mm-hmm. twenty-seven dollars a year or two twenty-five per month. So actually, not that oh, yeah, much. It's and not bad. Hey, it's cheaper than one wh- password. It used to be really tough to like use one of these password managers, but these days they hook into Windows and OS X, mm. like OS X, so easily. And even iOS and Android, like that's the thing. Like once LastPass just started popping up within iOS, it became a much more useful tool because it would automatically go fetch that info, Face ID, you know, to secure it, and that's it. You have your login right there. Yeah. No, I I love it. It's it's beautiful, and it even like it works on all of my devices because I've got like. Android e-ink devices and all this other uh, weird stuff that everybody, yeah that everybody makes fun of me for and and I like it works a lot nicer and neater than LastPass. you're saying one password yeah one password okay. yeah okay like LastPass always felt kind of like well it's free so it's fine sure but once sure. I started paying for one pass I was like oh this mm. is this is why people pay so <laughs> is, is LastPass like gonna give you additional stuff is it improving in some way as it charges? I hope so. I, they haven't really said much else. Just yeah. that they're charging. Okay. I mean, they, I can't wait to hear more. I know. They, they just say additional value and new features are coming to LastPass Premium, including a, uh, a security dashboard, dark web Ooh. monitoring, Ooh. secure password and item sharing, which already exists. But yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. the the, the dark rhetoric, web monitoring? The rhetoric that <laughs> I think... What does that mean? No, no, Shirley, what, what is that? I have no, to no, know I, dark I think they're looking for your passwords on these uh, uh, so-called oh. dark web. On the dark dumps. web. Yeah, okay. basically. Exactly. I was just like... Imagining like some poor old fart, like my uncle oh. is going to be like, I know I'm going to get it and I'm going to be able web. to monitor the dark web. Like, I, this is how I get on the dark web. 
But that makes a sure. lot more sense that it's looking for your passwords. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes much more uh, sense. So last pass, like a gateway. Um, issued a statement around this too, right? They're saying that this is, the rhetoric is that this is part of our increased focus on delivering future premium product improvements. Mm -hmm. um, so over the coming months and years, users will continue to see new features added to LastPass Premium in addition to what's included today, the stuff that Devendra brought up. And then saying that this update also brings our free solution in line with other leading password managers mm -hmm. who have more limitations mm -hmm. on their free offering. So basically saying we're still better than them. So... Yep. From what you said, Alex, it does, I don't know. It does sell. I don't know. I don't know if I agree or disagree. I mean, yeah. I, I, I love their, their thing is basically everybody else charges. So yeah. yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. Like, which, you know, I respect it. You got to hustle for the money. But yeah. but LastPass yeah. is so unpolished compared to mm. to one password. Or Damn it, Alex. You may have sold me on one password. <laughs> this is how it's a virus. It's, okay. Okay. It's Let's move on. All right. Sorry. What else? All right, so next up, lots of other news happened this week. Uh, one thing I covered uh, and went up on the site yesterday is Google announced a slew of uh, upgrades or updates for its learning with Google services. So mm. basically, Google Workspace for Education, also formerly known as Google Suite or G Suite for Education. Um, and, and there's like more than 50 updates in this set of announcements, but I'll, I'll point out a few. For example, so teachers... Many. So, so if you use Google Classroom uh, uh, in your school, your teachers can soon, I think in the coming weeks, have the option to mute all participants in Meet. And in April, they'll be able to control when students can unmute themselves, which uh, I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't have that before. <laughs> That's hey, terrifying. this sounds like That's a Google product, baby. <laughs> That's terrifying. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad they're getting it in the coming weeks and in April because uh, oh, those man. kids need to be muted. You know what I mean? I kind of um, so I feel like every week, Shilin, when we talk about Google News, you sound like a very tired Google PR person. It's like, hey, guys, um, this week, Google's rolling out features that should have been there from launch. But uh, <laughs> hey, it's great. That it's but here it's now, coming. Right? It's, it's coming. coming. It's coming. I, I love Google. Bless their hearts. But uh, this is... Uh, uh, you still use an Android phone, don't you? Yeah. Yes, I do. Don't... What? <laughs> why do I detect a note of judgment? You know, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy oh, for you. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just weird. I, I have you an iPhone. You. I just don't use it. Yeah, Damn, you, do you. you do. You do. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, moderation controls like screen sharing, granting entry to meetings, chat access are coming to mobile devices for <laughs> teachers in the coming months, too. How do you um, roll this out and not have that there, at least even for mobile devices? Like it's basically don't even using Google. Is it Classroom? Is that what it's called? That is very. I don't yeah, know if that service tool, yeah. is very popular, but Chromebooks and everything like a exactly. lot of schools yeah. and a lot of IT exactly. you know organizations really like Google stuff for that. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. the whole thing. Is that Chromebooks are so popular in schools? They're they're pretty basic. They're fairly cheap, and then yep. you know. Easy to you set just up. You can't I guess. mute the children. You can't <laughs> mute the kids like, talking about their dinosaurs. Like. Exactly. But here's here's the other thing. In a uh, in a few weeks, teachers will also be able to set up break up breakout rooms. Breakup rooms. That would be sad. Mm. Breakout rooms in a meet ahead of time. So like you can schedule a meet uh, coming up, and then you can go in there and already set yeah. up all your breakout rooms. I don't think yeah. you can.
can do that on Zoom yet, but you might. I'm not sure. We need so all the cool. class to go to the breakout rooms except for Bobby and Mindy. You're going to the breakup room, and uh, I'm sorry. Like, we gotta talk. Yeah. We gotta just we really have healthy relationship. Yeah. Exactly. You guys exactly. hold each other's finger too long on the way to the lunchroom, <laughs> or the you raised your hand room. too long. Um, and then, uh, you know, they'll be able to get copies of meeting transcripts as well. So, so that's some of the meat stuff. I also wanted to point out the, um, two more things from the Google education updates, which is one, the, if teachers are grading things on the app, on the Android app of classroom, uh, it's just about to get a bunch easier. There's like, um, better editing Students can also submit uh, homework from the Android app too and get like rich text formatting. Uh, they can also get better offline support. So if you have intermittent internet connection, uh, you can still submit your homework. It's just, you know, no more excuses when there's an outage in your neighborhood, the cell, like the fiber is down or whatever. You can still submit your homework offline. Uh, and then finally, That's rude. Yeah. I know. Poor I'm, kids, I'm waiting no more for the tech company days. to be like, you know, homework is wrong. Let's just down with homework. <laughs> Dang. I, yeah. I would support that tech company. Way better than like narking on these poor kids. Yeah, yeah come on. You're, you're a dad, Devendra, and you don't homework want is wrong. your kid to do homework. Homework is wrong. <laughs> okay. I, okay. having grown up just spending so much of my childhood doing like pages and pages of homework every night. Yeah. And then you become an adult and you're like, what did, did I need to do that? Did that? What did, did I just accomplish? waste my life doing yeah. garbage busy work? And that's what it teaches you for life. Anyway, that's a personal thing. We will be talking about that I in know. the future. I think. Oh kids no, should we, play. we yeah. We can talk about that, but also talk about how I never actually really submitted homework in Singapore to begin with, and my teachers had to beg me to turn stuff in. Oh, pretty oh. sad. Shalene coming bad. from a place of privilege once again. Like, didn't? didn't oh no, it was just ter- being a terrible student. I barely passed my exams. <laughs> um... The last thing I want to shout out from Google's set of education updates is, yes, we pointed out Chromebooks are a very popular uh, device in school. So Chrome OS is something that kids use in a lot of these uh, learning or educational environments. Chrome OS is getting some updates too, including a built-in screen recorder, which oh. I think is nice. So I, I sure. can't imagine the scenario where someone would use it, but I would totally it's for, screen it's record for everything. It's for a teacher, like, just, hey, kids, follow me. It is for it. us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just no, do no, this. No. It, is, it is exclusively for tech journalists <laughs> hey, yes. who, like, just need to record it for a video. For the love of God, exactly. let me record That's some screens. It. On the, you know, yeah. the, what is it, eight gigabytes of storage usually found oh, yeah. on a yeah. Chromebook? Well, that's... Maybe more like uh, thirty-two. I don't 30, know it's because like I feel like to thirty-two. Yeah, but okay. Or yeah. one twenty-eight oh. is a is a high-end Chromebook. Yeah, one twenty-eight gigs. Fancy high-end um, Chromebook. And <laughs> get out of here. In addition, it's getting some like accessibility updates, which I like to point out because it's important to mm-hmm. point out. Uh, Chrome Vox, the screen reader that's on uh, Chrome OS. Uh, has new features including improved tutorials, ability to search for Chromevox menus, and voice switching that will automatically change the screen reader's voice based on the language of the text. I'm not, again, not entirely sure what the benefit is here, but I also don't really use a screen mm-hmm. reader, so, um, but hopefully that benefits people who need it. Mm-hmm. Now, outside of Google News, Jesus, there was a I lot could, of news I, I this could week. Do, I could do, my, let me do Microsoft. How you about that? You can do Microsoft. So no, no, give no, yeah, a break. Charlene no. needs a break after no, no. trying to do PR for Google. No. Like for the that last was my minutes. transition, like, damn it. you need to go drink some water? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm going to transition and throw to you, Doug. Okay, sure. Well, actually, speaking of accessibility, this is a good lead, uh, you know, lead into this. Okay, you can do it. Microsoft announced that they are, they've launched a program to test Xbox and PC games to make them more accessible. Mm-hmm. So basically, developers oh. can, yep. can submit their games 
comes to this program and Microsoft is going to like compare it against their new accessibility rules. And that's kind of cool. So developers will see like, oh, the way you set things up to control characters or something is hard for people who have you know, problems uh, maneuvering like that. And this actually, yes. this goes hand in hand with the uh, the Xbox adaptive controller they released yep. in 2018, which mm-hmm. really opens up how people can game. Because you, for a lot of folks, a traditional gamepad is hard. It's hard to deal with. Yep. And we have better yep. ways of doing that. So shout out to Microsoft. I actually really appreciate them for kind of, for focusing on this. Um, you know, there are a lot of stories about uh, veterans and people coming out of war too who use video games as a way to, mm-hmm. as therapy. And they're coming back with injuries, uh, potentially with lost limbs or something. And like something like this makes it all the more easier for them to play. So I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah they, and it feels like Microsoft kind of had to do it because I think the most accessible game right now, the one that's like the 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 high watermark is a PS, as a Sony exclusive, uh-huh. right? Like The Last of Us 2 is just like, I've heard so many extraordinary things about it from an accessibility sure, sure. standpoint. Well, the sound and design Microsoft's that game. In, yeah. yeah, Microsoft's done such a good job with hardware, mm-hmm. but but like, I, I saw, I read this guy talking about how Last of Us 2 was the first game he ever played. He's, mm-hmm. he's blind and he was able to play the Ooh. whole game and, and not like die. And, and, and nice. there were so many features for him. So I love that like, Game designers are thinking about this, and 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 the pr- publishers are thinking about mm-hmm. this. That's fantastic. That's kind of cool. And the when I speak of Last of Us Two, like that was a game that really relied heavily on sound design. There is a group of people who mainly mm-hmm. communicated through whistles, and like that's the only way you would like you'd hear like this distant whistling, and then like an arrow flying by your face or something. So it's like you learn to like figure out the language of when they would call each other or when they start to like circle you or mm-hmm. something. So. Yeah, I want more games to take advantage of all that. And actually kind of tied into that, Microsoft is announcing a new Xbox wireless headset um, for 100 bucks. Oh, it's nice. going to be ready for like their spatial audio tech um, or like the Dolby Atmos stuff. I use Dolby on uh, on my Xbox. And that is super helpful. Like it's it looks like it's just a nice mm-hmm. pair of headphones. It's 100 bucks. It's not too much. It's competing against Sony's one that uh, just released with the PS5 too. I don't... There doesn't yeah. seem like there's much remarkable about it, but there aren't many truly wireless Xbox headphones because you have to use Microsoft's proprietary uh, audio codec. So there's one from Steel Series, yeah. I believe, like one or two others. So this just adds. There's a decent one from Razer. Razer. Yeah, actually, yeah, they just announced that. I'm a Steel Series fan, so I, I just tend to follow all that they, they do. But this seems like a good thing for Microsoft to push out there. One more thing, um, I wrote about the new FPS Boost feature that is coming to the Xbox Series X and S, and this is the thing that lets backwards some backwards-compatible games run at a much faster resolution. So this week they launched it for Sniper Elite 4, Watch Dogs 2, um, Far Cry 4, a whole bunch of titles. And uh, yeah, I was able to play Sniper Elite at 60 FPS on my Series X, and that seemed really cool. If you have uh, a 120 hertz TV, you could run New Super Lucky's Tale um, at 120 FPS. The dream. The dream. I, mean, I don't know how they haven't been sued by Sega yet because that Fox is literally just miles per hour. Um, it's Tails. It's Tails. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's just Tails with like a it's, one it's less tail, one tail, right? Or it's two one less. One Tail Tails. One um, Tail. Mm-hmm. But the game, you know, the fact that they were able to quadruple the frame rate from the Xbox Series S, which is the cheaper console, that thing used to run at 30 FPS. Now it runs at 120. 
that's a pretty big leap and hopefully we'll see more of that too uh yeah in the xbox lineup so shout out to fps boost it's pretty cool shirlin what else is going on yeah, so uh, this is really just interesting for our core audience of true tech nerds. So, uh, <laughs> oh boy, this week too, <laughs> there was an oh, announcement no. that Carl Pei, formerly of OnePlus fame, uh, who announced his new venture called Nothing, uh, I want to say earlier this year or late last year, <laughs> has bought the uh, other company. This company known as Essential, uh-huh. uh, the assets from Essential, which was Andy uh-huh. Rubin, who was the creator of Android, uh, his phone business. So Andy Rubin basically has transferred Essential's trademarks and logo to Carl Pace Nothing. So the, <laughs> basically, nothing, nothing is, is essential. Nothing essential. Essential, oh. essential is nothing. I tweeted that day of. That's my <laughs> it's joke. So it's so Don't good. steal. No, no, no. It's it's the most obvious joke. Is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, like it's, it's a, a good very joke, common but joke. Let's not forget that Andy Rubin was basically pushed out of uh, Google because of sexual harassment claims, yeah. right? So, yeah, and Essential like kind of fell apart yeah. because of it. Like Essential was yeah. holding on by a thread, yeah, and then it just became yeah. so difficult to ignore the fact that he's, he's, he's a horrible. Yep. But he dude. got kicked out with a golden parachute of money from Google, and now he's right. able to sell the assets of this company to make even more money. Like, I love just failing, failing up. up. Just like, just failing up constantly. Andy Rubin. Andy Rubin. Yeah. Good job. I mean, well done. Uh, but, but so essential for those <laughs> of you who might not be aware. <laughs> sure, Lynn, that is not the lesson. <laughs> well done. Whatever. <laughs> Bravo, sir. I'm just like, sure, I'm just depressed with the world and can't even be bothered to fight it. But what um, is nothing? This isn't me being so, like yeah. high and asking questions. I know. What, what is, what, what is, what is, Carl Pay's nothing? Carl Pace Nothing is a startup, okay, that would make so-called smart devices. We talked about this on the episode, too, is making smart devices. One of the first products that Pay promised would be a pair of wireless earphones. Mm -hmm. Um, But with the purchase or acquisition of Essentials, you know, logo and and some of its assets, uh, it feels like nothing might want to make an essential phone which we know how well those did i mean when the first essential phone came out we were like it was one of the first all-screen phones i believe yeah uh, yeah here in the u.s Wasn't with an essential with a working on like like essential announced a second phone that mm-hmm. looked really really cool and the same then, day i think yeah. everyone blew up about pointing about andy yep. rubin yep. is horrible exactly so and i don't so, think like, that ever yeah so there's like theoretically some really cool cool like stuff I don't know. That, yeah. that, that first essential on. phone so <laughs> the cool you guys remember we trash. reviewed that but it was the all screen nature was fine yep. but everything else about it the camera battery life like actual speed yeah. of it was trash yeah yeah, yeah. the the yeah. is the ph1 by the way ph-1 was its name because p-h-o-n-e phone anyway uh-huh. um it <laughs> it uh it, it. it was it was yeah it was one of the it had a, a core fan base around it but then also um after after all that brouhaha around ruben uh at the end of last year a lot of the former employees ended up at a different startup uh founded by jason keats who was essential's former head of research and development and it's called awesome products and awesome Mm -hmm. uh, apparently has plans to release a privacy focused android device this year so maybe there's something cool at at Osom, or maybe nothing's going to get something from Essential, make phones. 
But uh, like pairing Android and privacy focus mm, together mm, mm-hmm. feels weird mm-hmm. to me. I I hear you, and we'll hear more. <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's it. And uh, nothing is essential and essential mm. nothing news. Uh, and also our little tech news cool. roundup this cool. week. Let's move on to what we've been working on. I'm going to I'm gonna pass this week because it's basically what I've been doing for the past few weeks. Uh, Alex, I know you want to talk about your fun new adventures in Color yeah. E-Ink. What, is, what are you playing with right now? <laughs> yeah, I am playing with a lot of E-Ink devices. I'm working on a story for, for the that's hopefully going to be appearing in the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if it's gauche <laughs> to say that Ooh. yet, but it's pretty it's probably happening it's probably happening i've uh, yeah i've called in enough products that'll be really embarrassing if it doesn't happen so um so it's all on me now but yeah i think Mm -hmm. we're starting to see there's a new there's a new version of of color e-ink that was just released pocketbook just this week announced a new product which i cannot wait to get into my hot little hands hopefully okay today or tomorrow we'll see and um yeah, it seems like we're going to finally be getting some really cool products. Not mm-hmm. quite like you can throw out your iPad, but you can <laughs> wow your was, techie nerdy friends was the pocket with <laughs> your relatively yeah. inexpensive Was that the one that would look like it's thing. good for comics? Yeah. I see. I think there were some reports about that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Pocketbook did a color mm-hmm. e-ink last year, but the colors were kind of muddy. Yeah. It was like fine, but it was... You know, don't go out of your way. The colors are supposed to be much more vibrant. It's um, it's still only like a hundred pixels. Mm. You know, it's it's still like kind of low resolution. Think of this as like remember that first laptop, or you remember like laptops in the early nineties? They had like four colors. <laughs> I it's do like, remember that. Okay, like, that's where yeah, I don't. E-ink technology is okay. kind of in, like, it's still very early stages um, color-wise. I like but that people it's, are it's, keeping it's the e-ink dream alive. And like, listen, more power to you. Yeah. It's probably yeah, it's me. Like, just I dig me. it. I dig yeah, it. It's, it's like, all you. just me and e-ink. But I, I, I love it because I do think, like, you know, I've got an, an Android e-ink tablet that I use mm-hmm. from Onyx Books constantly. And it lasts mm-hmm. two, three weeks on a charge. I can take I take all my notes on it. Like I'm gonna go do an interview after this and I'll be taking all my notes on this thing. And then I can also read books from every <laughs> bookseller instead of just Amazon. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's buggy as hell, but but it's exciting. And and like will I continue to dream of an <laughs> iPad? Yes. <laughs> will you all mock me? Rightfully of so. Of course, yes. Yeah. But I do think it's. I, I do mm-hmm. think we're starting to see a transition there. We're starting to see um, a really interesting development in the space. And for a lot of devices, like your your smartwatches and stuff, um, it can start mm-hmm. becoming a compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to dive again. deeper back into Yay. that tech and also the advances in OLED and mini LED and kind of everything's more exciting now when it comes to display tech, right? Yeah. 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 Like just. Display this technology is, why you have four is just TVs. In this really, really super yeah. exciting space. Yeah, it is. Like I am a nut for for display technology, and I'm really excited about e-ink because I think it's a great opportunity for so so many elements. Mm-hmm. Like you're never going to watch a movie on e-ink. I do think e-ink is is really developing rapidly and will provide some really cool opportunities and really 
environmentally sure. friendly opportunities mm. because it's that's a good point. so yeah, much yeah. less power. And that's yeah, that's that's honestly why I'm excited about it. Like I want to watch it last two weeks on a charge and and I can get that a lot faster with an e-ink than Agreed. with micro Agreed. LED. Yes. All right, so so I'm I'm excited to get to our picks. That's yeah, why yeah. I kind of want to quickly shout hey. out what I'm working on. All I want to say though is uh, I I'm working on I, the Think Bad review will be up soon. I've talked about it for weeks, but uh, these next few days, just keep an eye on Engadget.com. There's a lot of stuff I've gotten briefed on that will be coming out in the next few days and even early next week. So just just keep refreshing our site and and I think there's interesting news coming hmm. soon. That's all I can say. Secrets. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ooh, yeah. So okay. Pumped. Mystery. I love I love how Alex when we were running through the tech news, you've been so out of it that you were like, ooh, that happened. Ooh, I know. Happened. I'm like, ooh. Oh, I, I'm I was learning like, so much today. You're so lucky you've been out of it. But uh but anyway. Devendra, do you have uh, yesterday I went to see if I could fit three Cadbury the big eggs ones in my or mouth the, like, because that's what I the do. The big now. ones, okay. The big mm-hmm. ones, yeah. I only got two in. I'm my friends all called me it's, a quitter. It's really about the mini eggs. Come on, it's mini yeah. egg season. We only get those sometimes of the year. You know, we yeah. only get that around Easter. Come on, people. They were oh. sold out. They didn't have any at CVS. <laughs> Maybe today. All right, let's Maybe move we'll on to our Later. pop culture picks. Shirlene, you seem excited <laughs> about something. What? What's up? I, I'm excited. Okay, well, okay, I, I guess. I'm not... Oh, damn. Okay. Every week we got to pick one, and this week I was, like, low on options. So anyway... Sometimes you want to chill out. You want to watch some uh-huh. bad reality, right? And uh, normally, my normally my bad reality is like the Bachelor, up with Kardashians, yeah. or like the Bachelor. So mm-hmm. this time around, though, a lot of people have been asking me if I've oh, seen yeah. Bling yeah. Empire on Netflix. And then very quickly, in the same breath, people will follow up with, "How about Singapore <laughs> Social?" Honestly, okay. So Bling Empire. I started watching, I think, this past weekend around Chinese New Year. Tag yourself. And, uh, tag yourself in the poster okay. for Bling Empire. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely not the Kylie Jenner lookalike. I want to be the Let's guy with just, just the way. abs. That's me. Um, that's Kevin. I love and this Kevin guy. is beautiful. I am super into it. Uh, or Kevin. Um, but uh, <laughs> the show is interesting it's very like an asian version of keeping up with the kardashians except for you know it's already done well by starting off its season or series with mm-hmm. a chinese near episode so and it's uh. not all just chinese it's like the asian diaspora too seems to be well represented we've got uh, a japanese russian woman you've got a, a chinese woman you've got like i think there's people who are part korean in there um, which is nice. I think it's a, a good representation. And it's also kind of like if you wanted more crazy rich <laughs> Asians, but sort of real. Sort of real. Yeah. This has all the crazy and a lot of the rich. And also all the <laughs> Asians. So <laughs> I feel like this would be fun if you're looking for a reality TV show to just veg out to, just to like not think for mm-hmm. once. But because people keep mentioning Singapore Social in the same breath to me, I'm going to be like, do not. Please do not. Singapore Social is not <laughs> Singapore or social. It's just not. What is it? It's this. Ugh, ugh. It's also like, right. we're looking at the, the, the picture for it now on the video version of this podcast. And um, none, very few of these people mm. look like actual Singaporeans. One of my, a lot of my friends in Singapore have seen it and they've told me, have you seen it? It's so bad. And I'm like, I watch... 10 minutes of the first episode and couldn't make it through because it was not representative of the country and it seemed so fake and it was very like 
cringy to watch, not in a good way even. So mm-hmm. avoid Singapore social, and if you must, you can check out Bling Empire. I think it's so far kind of fun. Um, and then I have one like uh, decent other pick that I was trying to use to redeem myself. And uh, if I could only remember, you don't have to redeem yourself. <laughs> I always have to redeem myself. Um, but okay, so so the last um, reality TV show that I'm going to recommend you guys that is actually pretty good in my opinion is Food Network Star. Yeah, and this is a show. yeah. I'm glad. Oh, yeah. The Vintage's sure. approval is all I've been well, waiting I for. I think most of the Food um, Network shows are fine. Like they're they're fun to watch, and yeah. you learn something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Food Network Star is basically about Food Network trying to find its next like big uh-huh. star, which it's yeah. I guess all in the name. So like it starts way back when, and uh, Alex, you'll know this because it's our friend Monica who introduced me to this show, and. <laughs> Every time I see her, we're watching the show. Um, it starts way back when I want to say in the early two thousands. So back when YouTube and it, like social media wasn't a thing, and they were the winners of this show would go on to have their own Food Network show. But recent in recent seasons, the show still appears to be ongoing. By them, in recent seasons, they they more seem to be transitioning to who's the next big food influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, so the skills you're tested on are not just your food uh, culinary skills, but also your presentation, you as a personality. So I think that's sure, intriguing sure. Uh, as a good concept for yeah. a show. So I feel like a lot of big Food Network stars have done it, right? Like, yeah. wasn't... Um, Guy Fieri, according to our that was producer, Ben. Guy Fieri... Who, by the way, no, talk, I, I, talk I, about like a ima- like an image <laughs> fix, because I, I feel like we spent a lot of time ragging at Guy Fieri, and then over the past couple of years, it's been like, no, he's a good guy who gives money to people. And like, <laughs> yeah. his food may be kind of crap, I, but he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Look, he finds yeah. like he finds the places that you just like only want to go to when you're really drunk and high. And like that's his that's his brand. Yeah, I'd love to like watch old episodes uh-huh. of that show and just be like, yeah, I, know. I want to shove this giant piece of meat <sighs> covered in cheese that will kill me in my mouth. This looks terrible. <laughs> Give it to me immediately. Like I yeah. love Guy Fieri for that. Yeah. And but I've, there's some other people too. But like he's yeah. definitely like the big Stand out. one. And you're yeah. like, wow. Well, so Bobby Flay is, I think, one of the judges uh-huh. of the show, at least for some seasons and in parts of it. Mm-hmm. So there's some big names here and, uh, you know, the food always more or less looks good. I always get so hungry watching it, but uh, watch uh-huh. it on a, on a full stomach, I would <laughs> recommend. Don't watch any food shows on an empty <laughs> That's stomach. That's all food yeah. shows. It's, yes, exactly. Yeah, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And don't watch it right before Ooh. you go grocery shopping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get, you get too oh, adventurous, yeah. yeah. You get way too adventurous and then you're like, well, I've ruined everything. <laughs> Marzipan, or at least I do. Palmo, marzipan pomelo watermelon shake is uh, is uh, uh. what you try to make. Oh. <laughs> I gotta move on. Devendra, move on. what do you have for us this uh, week? I, I need something that feels good. So I'm rewatching Ted Lasso, which is a show all about hey. good good things, uh, you know, good people. Uh, love this show. I'm gonna be on a doing a podcast to talk about the finale next week. Uh, so I'll chat that out then. But uh, hey, the show is fantastic. Uh, we talked about it before, but it's worth rewatching. Uh, it's Jason Sudeikis as an American football coach who goes to you know the UK to coach football. But it is such a sweet and yep. well written and funny show, and I love all the characters and like it is. It is everything. It's like a nice bit of comfort food, and it's also so dense with the jokes. Where you watch it one time, you will likely miss a lot of the like quick jokes because there's just so much packed <laughs> yeah. in there so it is definitely worth rewatching. watching if you've seen it already go back watch ted lasso again if you haven't seen it check it out it's one of the best things made in the past year you know 
And it's on Apple TV+. Yes, Plus, it is right? on Apple TV+. Plus. You probably yes. still have a, a free subscription if you bought a new Apple device over the past year or so. Just, yeah. <laughs> so everyone but Sherlyn is probably you know, Well, she has that iPhone to test, right? So mm, maybe. I, um, I have the, Apple TV. I have the box right here. Don't did even. Did you buy it recently? Um, That's a question. No, I got a, and I had a review unit for the Fitness oh, okay. Plus so uh, you, testing. you have that. Oh, you just, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> So you're you're good to go. Yeah, it's so like yeah, that is just like a show where you're just it's like this so is sweet. nice. It is. Yeah, like you I just yeah. sigh and like all the weight just mm -hmm. drifts away. You're just like oh. Well, Alex, what do you have for us? Yeah, I I, I finished the Wilds mm. on Amazon. Mm. Did you guys? It looks so stupid, and I was like, you know what? I've got <laughs> it does look very on. stupid, but let's it, watch exactly a show. show for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, let's watch a show about a bunch of teenage girls trapped on a desert island. And people have been, like, comparing it to, um, uh, oh, Battle what was Royale? the one that we all had to read as a kid? No, <laughs> yeah, well, Lord Battle of Royale. They've been comparing yeah. to Battle Royale. Yeah. Lord yeah, of the Flies. Yeah, that uh, And it's much more like mm. Lost, but with, like, teen girls. Because they're on this island, and they don't no, know how you. they got there. And they don't know that there's, like, a big overarching <laughs> mystery. And, like, um, wonderful use of okay. wig caps. Like, at one point, a character has a big, like, there's a flash-forward reveal, and they, they're just completely bald. And I had to, like, <laughs> pause because I was laughing so hard. It's like, I'm just having a great time watching it. It's It's super silly. Um, it's really nice mm -hmm. and diverse, which is which is lovely. Like we've got a, a number of like uh, Native American main characters, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. And it's just like, and you think that these girls are all going to be horrible <laughs> and mean to each other or whatever, and instead they're like, yeah, let's just work together, and then accidentally eat a pound of edibles oh, and get yeah. high on a beach. And like, I mean, what's not to love about that? No, so <laughs> highly, highly recommend it if you've got a Prime subscription. You can go watch it, and I yeah, don't take I, it too seriously. Please don't. I just want to say I am grateful that that's your recommendation because Alex talks to me about TV shows and films a lot. It's usually the weirdest stuff, and it's usually not good. <laughs> so uh, I'm just glad. Or it's like nine one one. I I recently Wait, but which did one? watch nine one one, the Texas one, or the so real, the main show. I've been watching. I've been watching uh -huh. the the L A one since it started and just skipped the texas one and the then texas i was like i got not nothing good, and I, but so i watched it's fun it's not good but i love it because it's just like it's like oh yeah we're gonna have to deal with a uh, um, a volcano, a volcano in, in austin well also <laughs> didn't gina torres recently what? join that show or did she join the other one she so I'll watch anything she did. On. No, she yeah. joined. She, yeah, she's in it, and um, they do this really bad habit of not knowing Texas geography at all. So like, they, when they move from New York to Texas to Austin yeah. to run their firehouse, they're like clearly driving through West Texas. And it's like okay, so. Uh -huh. Because it was shot in L.A., so that's what they have as their Texas. And there's always, like, mountains in the back, like, actual <laughs> and mountains just, in like, the background. And not just, like, flat cornfield that not... you pass through most of the Midwest. Yeah, yeah and it's just, like, and it's so, there, there was this one part where they're, the last episode, they're like, oh, yeah, we're driving through, or we're coming from California, and we're driving <laughs> through Austin to go to Houston. And I'm like, Why? Why you did know. you do that? Like, did you yeah, just want to see, see how Austin's doing? Austin? It's, it's it was hilarious. very sad. I will. It's so that's tragic. That's one Lone Star, right? Yeah, and Lone you have Star. to say Lone Star. That is also the show it. where Rob Lowe goes into his entire beauty regimen. So in the fire, like in one of the first yes. episodes, it's like, yeah, I put on this 
<laughs> this moisturizer and everything. And but he's like, so glossy. It's real. That's what he really does. He's like he's like half naked and glossy and talking oh, about this. And you're like, your skin is really nice. Anyway. <laughs> like, I just... Wait, wait, I think, was that real, That's though? a lot because of his real thing. If, that's if, what like, it seems like. But anyway, these shows are ridiculous. I like the core 911 series just because it's like, there's a baby in the wall. Mm. Somebody flushed a baby down a toilet. <laughs> It's amazing. So good. They did. Like Not Angela Bassett's like, well, I guess I'm yeah. about to fall off a cliff yep. in a mudslide. Mm. Will I survive? I just, <laughs> beautiful. It's just big, dumb disaster movies every week. Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Alex online at Alex H. Kranz. And you can find Davindra online at At Davindra on Twitter and uh, at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. If you want to send me any questions about Crazy Rich Asians, whether it's the show or the people, you can find me at Sherlin Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Yesterday, I went to see if I could fit three Cadbury eggs in my mouth because that's what I do now. The big ones, yeah. I only got two in.